We are in the third part of a series, actually ending this series, called Seasons. And uh, Matt, our lead pastor, has done a phenomenal job the last two weeks just kind of setting this up. I always hate speaking after Matt's done like two weeks in a row, you know, because it's like, yeah, you know, but that's what I get to do, so it's awesome. Uh, I'm sure he would have loved to have been here to actually do the, the week three, but uh, he, he let me kind of sit up here and talk a little bit. But uh, this is how we kind of just tackle topics and passages of Scripture, these series. And so we're kind of uh, ending this one called Seasons. And so if you've missed the first couple, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, I can't recap them all, but we have, we have them uh, on our website, thejournalline.com, or on our YouTube channel. So feel free to go back and watch those because there's some awesome stuff from, from week one and week two of this series that has been challenging to me. And I'm sure many of you, if you've been here, it's, it's been challenging to you as well, just talking about the seasons that we walk through in life. And uh, I'm not going to recap everything, but I do want to pull a couple things out uh, that Matt talked about over the last couple of weeks. And the first one is kind of this passage of Scripture uh, that he landed on in Ecclesiastes. And if you don't know about Ecclesiastes, it's kind of, some people think it's like this real dirgeful kind of <laughs> melancholy book, but it's written by a guy named Solomon. And Solomon, if you don't know, was uh, the son of King David. And Solomon was given a wish from God to, hey, what do you want more than anything in the world? And he just said, hey, I just want to be wise. And so in his wisdom, he gave us some books. Um, and one of those is Ecclesiastes. And within Ecclesiastes, he uh, Matt said that this kind of probably came later on in his life after he had kind of learned and become wise, and, and he, he wrote these words, and he started off chapter 3 uh, with this. It said, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under the sun. And then he goes on to talk about these different seasons, a time to laugh, a time to cry. Uh, some people, you may know this scripture, you may have heard the song from, from the 60s, you know, that they, they sang, kind of sang it in there, that may be how you know it. Uh, a pretty, pretty famous passage of scripture. But he's really just talking about in life, there are various seasons that you'll have to walk through. There are times to do this and times to do that, times to celebrate, times to mourn. There, there are all these different seasons. And so no matter where you are in life, realize that you're probably not going to stay right there, or you shouldn't just stay right there, that there's going to be some other transitions that come in your life. Then the other thing that Matt talked about when it comes to seasons that I really love is he talked about that every season, no matter where you are, every season of life has a beginning, a middle, and an end. If you look back on, on things that you've been through in life, you could probably look back and say, oh, well, that's when that started, whether it's a marriage or whether you had kids or, or uh, whether it was a... a um, a work situation, whatever it was, you're able to look back maybe and say, okay, that's when it started. And I remember right in the middle of that, this was, this was hard. It was tricky. We had to walk through this. And I remember when that ended and I moved on to this. Uh, so every season of life has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, and I love that, that visual uh, thing that he did with the, he said, and it's also not just one thing. It's not a single thing that you're walking through. He had this graphic of all these colors and uh, I would not be able to explain it as well as he did. So I didn't put it up, but he talked about the fact that our seasons really aren't just one thing. It's, it's really just layers of things that are going on at the same time, whether it's work or family or job or um, you know, life, uh, whatever it is. There are all these different things uh, going on in our lives at the same time, and it kind of layers on. And uh, a lot of times when we're in the middle of it, we get these blinders, we get focused on one aspect. And um, so he talked about that, and I, and I love that. And again, I would encourage you to go back and listen to part one and part two if you haven't or if you weren't here to, to do that. Um, because it's a great thing. And so today we're going to try and land the plane uh, as we can. So that's as best a recap as I can do. And I want to land it with just this question right here. Uh, last week we talked about being in the middle, but if, if you're kind of in that transition period of, of ending something and starting something or feeling like there's something new coming up, I just kind of want to talk about this question of, well, how do we prepare for a new season in life? 
when, when you're kind of at this ending point or maybe you're just transitioning to, to one, one thing that you felt called to or you, or you feel maybe in your heart right now that, that God's calling you to something else, well, how do we walk through that? What do we need to understand about this new season to help us step into that, to step into what God has for us? And so that's what we're going to kind of spend our time on today. And I want to do it in a, in a weird way. I don't know if you grew up in church. I grew up in, in, in church. Anybody grew up in church? Uh, and today is what we used to call Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter, right? It was a big deal in our church. You know, we used to have this, uh, we, had, we had a full choir of like 60 people, and uh, they would do this like theatrical thing, people waving legit prom branches coming in, you know, and we would sing this song, Hosanna, Lord, Hosanna. It was, it was a great deal, man. It was awesome. Well, we don't really do that here, if you can't tell, but, uh, you know, um, in, in leading up to Easter, I'm always challenged to do some some reading on, on what that looked like, what the Holy Week was, and those kind of things. So I kind of do this devotional stuff. And as I was reading through a devotional thing, just looking back at some of the stuff of Jesus as he was heading toward this moment, this week, where he had this triumphal entry that we celebrate on Palm Sunday, leading into, you know, ultimately his death, burial, and, and what we celebrate next week in his resurrection, uh, one story kind of stood out to me. And, and, and I, I just in preparing for all this, and it's a story um, about a guy named Matthew and uh, we're going to talk about his story, but really want to look at it through the lens of the seasons and how Jesus used his story to kind of just reveal some things about seasons of change in life, not only in Matthew's life, but, but as he was questioned and interacted with some other people, also this, this signaled a shift in Jesus' ministry on why he came to, to earth uh, to celebrate this week that, that, we, that we're kind of living on uh, as Christians this week, and, and the Holy Week we call it. Um, and so we're going to talk about Matthew, but before we dig into this passage of Scripture in Luke 5, uh, Luke 5 is an interesting chapter because in Luke 4, uh, we get to see Jesus as he's kind of tempted right before he uh, begins this ministry of healing people and calling some of the first early disciples, uh, one of which is Matthew. And so we, we kind of see this transition happening in Jesus' life and ministry on earth. Uh, so we see this begin to happen. He begins to, to step up and teach new things. And, and in chapter 4, he even says, you know, uh, all these scriptures from the Old Testament, I'm the guy they were talking about. I'm the one they were pointing to. And, and it began this whole friction between Jesus and, and all this stuff. And, and it's cool how Matthew's story signals not only a change in Matthew's life, a new season in Matthew's life, but also a new season for the church and for the ministry of Jesus Christ while he was with us on this earth. And so we're going to talk about that in Luke chapter 5. And Matthew, he's, a, he's a, an interesting character because uh, he actually, before he became a disciple of Jesus Christ, we'll read about this, he was a tax collector, um, which means he was a Jewish, a Jewish guy, but he kind of was employed by the Roman, the Roman citizens, and so that makes him really a bad dude because he was collecting money from his own people to send back to some other people that they didn't really care for, they didn't really like. And a lot of times these tax collectors were crooked and, and, and guilty and, and there was no real set tax code or whatever. They were able to manipulate and say, well, you give me 10 shekels and you give me 15 shekels and you know, whatever they wanted to charge, they could charge. And so they were kind of crooked, crooked dudes. And so they were really frowned upon. They weren't really liked or well-received. And, and so the fact that Jesus comes up to him and, and begins to initiate a conversation with him is, is kind of crazy enough. And, and we'll, we'll get into his story. But he's also the writer of the, the Gospel of Matthew. And, and in Luke 5, he's called Levi. It's kind of interchangeable. Matthew's kind of a Greek word, and Levi's uh, uh, kind of his, his uh, Hebrew name. So that they're, they're the same dude. We, we see Levi here in, in Luke. But in Matthew, uh, as he's, Matthew tells his own story, uh, in Matthew, um, it's in there as well. But it's Matthew, Levi, same guy. Um, and so the thing about him is because he was a tax collector, 
He probably had, probably had some money. He had a circle of friends that he hung out with. He was, he was a pretty, pretty stable guy. You know, he was, he was chilling, doing his thing, doing the daily grind. And so we're going to kind of pick up his story here in Luke 5. Uh, so we'll pick it up in verse 27 first. It says, later... And this is after Jesus had done, done multiple healings in, in Luke chapter 4 in the beginning of Luke chapter 5. So, so later, as Jesus left the town he was at, he, he saw a tax collector named Levi, Matthew, uh, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, I want to pause right here and just, just picture the scenario. I'm a visual guy. I don't know if you, you guys are that way with me. You just have to bear with me. So I see Levi, you know, just kind of chilling at his booth, doing his daily grind, uh, collecting his taxes. You give me this. All right, you this. Come on through. You may pass. You shall not pass. You know, yeah, it's a... All that. Somebody, somebody got it. One person. Awesome. I don't feel so nerdy now. <laughs> but uh, so he's, he's there doing his thing, just, just chilling in his day-to-day, grinding, doing, doing his job, collecting his taxes. And here comes Jesus. It says, uh, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So here comes Jesus strolling along. This guy's just doing his thing. And he's like, hey, follow me and be my disciple. I know, I know you're working here, but let's go. Let's do something different. I'm going to call you to something different, something new, something else than what you're doing. And so that's where we kind of get, get the, the first glimpse of, of Matthew and Levi. And I don't know how much Matthew had interacted with Jesus prior to this. We don't get a clear picture of that. I don't know if he had heard about this guy or if he was running with some of Jesus' homeboys already. I don't really know all of that. But we know that Jesus came up. He saw him, and he says, hey, follow me. Be my disciple. And then Matthew says... Okay, so Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And so we see right here Matthew beginning to be called into a new season of life. Hey, leave leave this thing you're in. Get up out of your booth. Whatever this thing is you're doing, stop collecting the taxes and just follow me and be my disciple. And, And Matthew's response was, all right, let's go. Here we go. I don't know about you, but that probably would not have been my response, but, but that's what we see. Matthew do. He, he says, okay, he leaves everything and follows him. And so the story continues in verse 29. It says, and then later, I don't know how much later, weeks later, maybe he gave a two-week notice to the tax collection office. I don't really know. Maybe he gave the Roman government you know, a little bit of extra time. I don't know. Maybe it was an immediate you know, severance. I don't, I don't really know how all that worked. But later, Levi, he held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. So here's, here's how I imagine, again, visual. I imagine this as Levi's kind of Matthew's um, retirement party. And for me, I, I imagine I'm having it at like Red Lobster during Lobster Fest, you know, full bib on, butter dripping, cracking legs. And they're just feasting, having fun with all the tax collectors. And Jesus is there. And it's just a, a, a big, awesome retirement party that Matthew's getting to throw right here. That's how I visualize it. I'm probably totally wrong, but that's how I visualize it. So, so we see that the religious leaders then caught wind of this. Let's read on. It says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Now remember, I told you tax collectors, they, they were kind of frowned on. They, people didn't really dig them. Well, they went, the Pharisees, the religious people, the, you know, the, the, the Christian leaders of the day were like, why are you guys hanging out with these dirtbags, the scum of the earth? Why are you eating with them, celebrating with them, feasting with them? What's going on here? And again, not only did Matthew's life get called into a new season, but the life and ministry of Jesus Christ was beginning to shift on this moment. And so he's beginning to engage with the religious leaders of the day to say, hey, I know, I know how you think it should be, but listen, 
I'm who they were talking about in the Old Testament. I'm the one that those scriptures were pointing to. And here's how I'm going to fulfill the kingdom of God on this earth. And so a new season was happening in, not only in Matthew's life and the disciples' life, but in the life and ministry of the church and of Jesus. And so we get kind of all that intertwined in here. And so Jesus, he uses Matthew's story here to teach us something about the seasons of life and change. And so what I want to do is just kind of point out four things as I read through the rest of this passage. We're going to kind of walk through it together and talk about four things that we can learn about seasons, about new seasons in life. And so the first thing that we learn in this story is this. We learn this, that a new season will bring out critics. When you begin to take a step into a new season of life, guess what? Critics are right there waiting in the wings. Anybody ever experienced that? You make a choice, a decision to do something, and you think you, you, know, you know you're following God, and there's always somebody in the back of your mind, a close friend, <laughs> who begins to question, why would you do that? That makes absolutely no sense. Why would you leave this job for that? Why would you plan to marry this person? Why would you uh, want to have kids this early? Whatever it is. I don't know what, what your season is, but when you begin to take a step into a new season, guess what? There's going to be critics there. There's going to be some people that always, they don't get it, and they're going to question it. They're going to question why you would do that. And so that's the first thing we learn about seasons, new seasons in our life. And here's how Jesus kind of deals with it in this, in this passage. In verse 33, it says, one day some people, they, they begin to say to Jesus now. After, this is all after the whole red lobster incident, all right? So, so now, they, now they're approaching Jesus. You know, why are you eating with scum? We don't understand what's going on here. So they approach Jesus. Now, John the Baptist's disciples, you know, John's disciples, you know him, the wild man that, that you sent to prepare the way. Uh, we've been following him, his disciples. Guess what? They, they fast and they pray regularly. You know what? And so do uh, uh, the leaders of the church, the Pharisees. They do it the same way. These two guys are doing it the same way, and you're doing something different. So what's up with that? What's going on? Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? So we get an early picture here that, that Jesus, he, was, he wasn't a, a, you know, a hoity-toity, stuffy shirt. No, he was about to party. He was throwing down. He was having a blast. He was, he was getting it going. And so we see that, that not only are there, that there's going to be critics questioning new things that happen in, in your life, when you begin to take those steps into those new seasons, trust me, there are going to be people like these, these Pharisees and these, these leaders who are saying, look, why would you do it that way? Nobody's ever done it that way. Your mother didn't do it that way. Your father didn't do it that way. The people you hang around don't do it that way. Why would you do it that way? There's always going to be someone to criticize when you begin to step out into a new season of life. And then Jesus, he continues to teach. Not only, not only is, that, is there going to be critics, but he says, listen, here's the deal. What you've got to understand is it's not just one way. He, what, he say, what he says is there are different seasons in life. It's not about just one way all the time, everything. There's more than one way. There are different seasons. And that's what Matt talked about over the last couple of weeks is that you've got to understand that there are different seasons and there's layers of these seasons going on in our lives. And Jesus, he's teaching the same thing to these Pharisees and these religious leaders of the day. He's saying, look, here's the deal. There are different seasons in life. And here's what he says in verse 34. And Jesus, he responded to these people. Do wedding guests 
fast while celebrating with the groom. I love how Jesus uses, uses imagery and pictures and things that people should kind of understand and get. Do, do, do wedding guests fast or, or, or while celebrating with the groom? Do you, do you go to a wedding, uh, a dinner after the thing and just kind of say, yeah, no, I'm not going to eat. No, that's a great looking buffet, but nope, no, not going to do that. I'm happy for you, but, you know, I can't partake. No, that's not what you do. When you're at a wedding, you celebrate. When they got a chocolate fondue fountain, you put your head under it and you drink it. That's what you do. You feast. And Jesus, he's saying, look, there are different seasons in life. There's a time for this and a time for that. And he, he continues. He says, of course not. That's not what you do. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. He's hearkening back to what, what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes. Look, there's a time to laugh and a time to cry. There's a time to celebrate, and there's a time to kind of pray. There's a time to fast, and there's a time to feast. There are different seasons in life. And what I'm doing is calling you to a new season. It's not going to be the same way all the time. You can't just, just ride one rail in life. Our lives aren't like that. It's not just a straight line. It, it's more like mountaintop and valleys and more valleys and then maybe, maybe a, a plateau. I don't know. It's just a weird deal in, that we live in life. And if you've been on this earth long enough now, you've kind of figured that out, hopefully. But there are different seasons in life. And Jesus, he's again using this story and this, this thing to illustrate that not only will there be critics, but you've got to understand that there are different seasons in life. And every season will be different. It's not going to look the same. It's not going to feel the same. It's not going to be exactly the same. Every season is different in life. So continuing on with the story, not only are there critics and not only are there different seasons, but then Jesus, he says this. He shows us in this story of, and here's the deal, whatever season you're in, you need to learn how to enjoy it. And that's hard because some seasons are not good and they're not fun. But I promise you, God is constantly working behind the scenes. And if you can find him in the midst of that season, then, then he will allow you to enjoy whatever season you're in. Let's continue to read in the story in verse 36. It says, and then Jesus, he gave them this illustration, another illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. It's like you, you don't mix the old and the new. If something's old, you, you get rid of it and you get something new. You don't, you don't tear a piece off of a new pair of jeans and try to patch the, the hole on your old pair of slacks and jeans. It's not what you do. He says, because for them, the new garment would be ruined and the new patch won't even match the old garment. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. So you've got to learn to enjoy whatever season you're in. You can't just constantly look back to the old and want it to be this way and say, well, if I could just fix this one little part of this old deal, then, then I would be happy and content and all right. And God's like, no, I'm not, I'm not telling you just to put this one little piece of this new thing into what you were already doing. I'm calling you to something completely different and something completely new. Because if you're trying to hold on to this, you'll never fully grasp what I'm doing and never fully have what I have for you. Don't just take a little piece of what I'm trying to do and try to, try to patch it into what, what you think's right. And step out into the new season. Step out. Enjoy whatever season you're in. Let go of what you had and move into what's new and begin to enjoy it. See, a lot of times we can't enjoy a new season because we're those kind of people that... that that kind of get comfortable and we like the way things were. We were happy then. Things were easy then. The finances were better then. Let's just hold on to that. Let's just stay safe and secure. When God said, no, let go. 
follow me. Let go of what's old. Don't try to patch it up. Just take hold of what's new. Because if you don't take hold of what's new and continue to hold on to what's, what's, what's old, guess what? You, you, you'll not have anything. Neither one are going to be good. It's not going to work. So you've got to learn to enjoy whatever season you're in. And the fourth kind of thing about new seasons, and this is where we're going to spend the, the last part of our time together, is, is that new seasons in life, new seasons require change. New seasons require change. And this is the hardest part for, for a lot of us when we're called to something new because, because we're those kind of people that, that are, get comfortable. We like the old. We, we, we'd rather just fix the old so that we can just stay comfortable. But God calls us to something new, and that requires something of us. It requires us to change. When he called Matthew, he didn't say, hey, you hang out at your tax booth and, and uh, just follow me on, on Instagram and, and uh, download my podcast sermons and, you know, I'll keep you up to date. No, he says, leave all this and follow me. It required a change of Matthew. It required Matthew to do something, to step into a new season. As he was talking to the religious leaders and the Pharisees of the day, he was saying, look, you've got to change. If you want to take hold of what I'm doing, if you want to be on board with, with how God's ushering in his kingdom, you've got to change. It's not the way you thought it was. It's not following all these commands and these rituals and all these things. There's something new. There's a new command that I am bringing. You've got to let go of the old and get on with the new. And that requires change. And that's the hardest part. But it, the truth is, if you want to have a new season and step into the new season that God's calling you to. If you're trying in a, in a transition of, of ending one season and trying to figure out, you know, what it is I got to do, a lot of times it requires change. It requires us to, to change what we're doing, how we're thinking, who we're with, where we go, what we do it requires change. And so kind of as, as the last part, I guess this is a, kind of the application of this story that Jesus is kind of winding up here. And so when a, when a season requires change, and here's what he says in the back part of this, this passage of Scripture. Again, another illustration that he's talking about that they would understand in this day. He says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. It's like, that's not what you do. When I'm doing something new, you don't try to cram it into the old. And I'm not a wine person. I don't understand all of this <laughs> and, and, and how all this works. But supposedly there's some kind of gas that when you put, put wine in an old wine skin, it emits these gases and boom, everybody's wearing grape juice. <laughs> so if you get new wine, you got to get a new wine skin. And that's what Jesus is, is teaching us is that it requires change for you to have what I have for you, for you to experience this new season, this new wine in your life, you got to change. You must become a new wineskin. You can't just put it into what you had or else it's just not going to work. All right? And so then the, there's three steps to change. And the first one says when, when, whenever, whenever we're called to change, first thing is this. And we see this in the story of Matthew. Don't resist. This is so hard. When God calls us to something new, our, our inclination sometimes is, what? It's usually a form of resistance. Really? Are you sure? Quit that job? 
leave here, go to Africa. I mean, that's our, that's our, our first inclination is, is to resist. And that's why I love the picture of Matthew. As this story started out in verse 27, let's read it again real quick. It says, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi, Matthew, sitting at his booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Matthew didn't say, well, hold on now. What kind of, what kind of retirement package you got? What's your dental plan? He, he didn't run the scenarios. No, he, he said, okay, he got up, left everything, and followed him. He didn't resist. Now, don't take that to mean that you won't have questions, all right? But you can't let those questions do that. And that, that's what keeps us sometimes from doing that, is the questions that we have of, well, how's this going to work? What's that going to look like? I'm not sure about this. What does that mean for them? And we get paralyzed by our questions. And we let our questions dictate whether we take that step into a new season or not. Can I tell you this? I'm going to give you just a little clue about, about life and about the Christian life and following Jesus. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Jesus, he's not afraid of your questions. Can I tell you that? He's not afraid of the questions that you have deep in your heart. He's not afraid of those questions. And you know what else? It's okay to step into a new season with those questions. It's okay to take those questions with you as you move. I guarantee you Matthew had questions. Well, where are we going to live? Where are we going to sleep? Are we going to have Lobster Fest again? <laughs> I guarantee you he had questions. But he, he didn't let that stop him. He didn't resist. He stepped in faith. And a real quick personal story. My family over the last year has just been walking through a season. This, this series has been hammering me um, just in, in what, what I'm dealing with just as, as a family. About a year ago, we had, we had things happen in our family that, that we couldn't predict, couldn't know. It just came out of nowhere. And, and we were in a situation where we didn't know why or where, but we felt firmly what we were supposed to do. So we just up and moved our family from our, our house that we built in Denver, our forever home, so to speak, where we wanted to be. And we felt firmly that we were supposed to just move. And so we moved to rural backcountry, <laughs> Maiden, North Carolina. If you don't know where that is, you probably never will. So, um, you know, with our one, one grocery store and three family-owned restaurants, and that's just how we roll. Um, and so we felt firmly that we were supposed to move over there. Well, here we are a year later. Our house still hasn't sold. <laughs> and so for us, we're in that midst of that, God, we, we know we heard you. We took that step. But I guarantee you we've got questions still. God, where are you in this? Why is this not working? Look at our checkbook, and we're like, really? Come on, God. We've got questions. But inside of my heart, you know what? I know he's not afraid of my questions. He's like, I, I've got an answer, but I'm still doing something. I'm still working on something. Because when you come out on the other side, you're going to look back and say, oh, that's why. That's how. That's who I am. And so for me, I, he's okay with my questions. But we couldn't let those questions dictate whether we took a step that we felt called to or not. And that's hard. That's difficult. When you're talking about jobs and finances and families and whether to 
go to a mission field or, or whatever it is. These are tough things. But I promise you, the call is to follow. And he's not worried if you have questions along the way. He said, we'll talk about it as we're walking, but let's go. We'll get to that in just a minute, but, but come on. We'll get there, but follow me. Trust me. Don't resist. Second thing when it comes to change is when a season requires change, don't expect it to be the same. Don't expect it to be the same. Some of us have walked through some situations in our life that, that maybe we didn't, we didn't intend to. Maybe things fell apart and things happened and whatever it is. And we find ourselves in a new season, maybe not by our choice, but we're there. And we're like, okay, God, I'm, I'm ready to walk with you. But even as we're walking, we're kind of looking back saying, well, I hope it looks like that when I get on the other side. I hope it's kind of like this on the other side. I hope it feels like that. And God, he says, no, don't, don't expect it to be the same. This is where he said it in, in the passage of Scripture. He said, and then he gave him this illustration, again, from the, the cloth. Nobody tears a piece from a, from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined, and that new patch isn't even going to match the old garment. I'm doing something new. I'm calling you to something new. Don't expect it to be the same. I see this play out in my life as we've had kids. Anybody with me on that? We just took a trip a few weeks ago to New York City. Great trip, fabulous time. We took two of our kids with us. But as we were there walking around, I remember just looking at Lauren, and we were talking, we were like, man, last time we were here, this was different. <laughs> it was about 12 years earlier. We were just there, young, married couple, just hanging out, strolling the streets of New York, living it up, you know, watching plays, staying out late. I think, I think on this trip at, at, at 9 o'clock, we were like, where's the hotel room? It's different when we went there with kids. Great, but different. I didn't expect that trip to be the same as it was when we went 12 years earlier. But a lot of people in their life, they'll have a kid, and they expect to still go out and do everything the same. They get married, and they expect it to be just like when we were dating. It's not. You can't expect those new seasons to be the same. You can't expect it to be the same. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. When, when it requires change, you can't expect it to be the same. See, a lot of people, we try as best we can to, to merge these two things and still hold on to what we have and still have something new, but, but it doesn't work that way because neither one are going to go as planned. And that's what Jesus is showing us in this passage. And lastly, lastly, when a season requires change, Jesus says, listen, I'm calling you to something new. Stop settling for the past. Don't settle for the past. I'm calling you to something new. I have new wine. And that's what he says at the end of this passage in Verse 39, when he talked about the wineskins and them bursting and you've got to have new wine, new wineskins for new wine. This is how he ends the whole passage of, of Luke 5. He says, but nobody who drinks the old wine seems to want that new wine. The old's just fine, they say. Again, I'm, I'm not a wine person. Maybe, maybe it's you know, a, a different deal, but what Jesus is saying is, is why would you settle for old, stale wine out of an old wine sack. And I've got something brand new, something better, something you couldn't imagine. Don't settle for the old. And he was teaching the same thing 
to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of why are you stuck in these traditions? All these traditions that you were taught, they're not bad, but guess what? They were pointing to something better, to someone better. It's not about religious regulations. It's about being with me and walking with me and following me and having a relationship with me. Don't settle for what you had. Reach out and grab what I have for you. Something new. It's new wine. And that's the story that Jesus kind of tells us in this passage of Scripture. And it's not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. I I, I don't want to stand up here and say, hey, God's calling you to something new. Just do it. It's super easy. It's not. It's a struggle. We're a year into our shift. We feel like we're kind of caught in that midst of ending one season and really trying to just move on and start this new one. We're kind of there. We're, we're, we're kind of like straddling the line, and we just need a few questions and a few things done. We got questions. We got fears. We've got all these things. And it's not stopping us from trusting God, believing that on this new thing, it's better than what we had. It's better than what we could have imagined, better than what we could have built or planned. And that's the challenge for us as we're called into new seasons of life is to trust, just like he called Matthew. Hey, follow me. Be my disciple. Bring your questions. We'll figure it out on the way. That's the call for you. That's the call for me as we step into new seasons of life. And Matthew, I pray that we could all respond as he did. Just leave everything and follow him. Trust him. And I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are in that process. Maybe, maybe you're in the beginning stages of a new season. And what you needed to hear today was just trust God. It's good. You made the right choice. Now just continue to trust. Or maybe you're in the middle of a season and, and you don't know what to do next. And you just need to hear there's something new on the other side. Or maybe you're, you're, you're kind of where we are, transitioning from the end to the start of a new season and You just needed to hear, hey, trust me. Continue to follow. I've got this. It's okay to question. So I don't know where you are. Here's what I know. The God I know, the Jesus I serve, the one who came to deliver a new covenant, a new command, is with you. And he says, I've got something new. Don't try to hold on to the past. Don't expect it to be the same. Embrace what I'm doing. Follow me along the way. So let me pray for us today. God, I thank you for just these words, God, that um, that you've been speaking to my life over the last few weeks through this series and even through this passage of Scripture today, God, the challenge of just trusting you in all the seasons of life and all the complexities that are going on in our lives from work to family to to marriages to kids to just careers and life callings. It's a complex thing to navigate. And God, left on our own, it it seems that that we couldn't get anywhere in it, but God, you, you, you haven't left us on our own. You came to this earth for just this reason, to to call us to follow you, to trust you, You're not scared of questions. You're not worried about our doubts. 
The call really is simple, just to trust you and to follow you. I'm reminded of the old hymn that says, just trust and obey. Because there isn't any other way to be happy in Jesus than just to trust and obey. And so God, I pray that you would just help me, help us, to let those two words just ring true in our hearts, to really grab our mind and our attention to say, you know what, really it comes down to trust and obey. No matter where we're at in any season of life, we trust you and will be obedient because we know that what you have is better than anything we could have had. So we trust you, we love you, and we give you the glory today, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen, amen.